I'm John DiLiberto, and you're hearing the Echoes podcast from PRX. Today, I've got two lesser-known electronic artists who have nevertheless been around for some time and are making some really nice music. One is Ben Blackett. He started working in music recording Seattle grunge bands in the 1990s, and in the 2010s, he's turned to making electronic music. His latest album, Portals, is an impressive display of melodic electronics and developing sound design. The other artist is Jim Ottaway from Australia. He's been recording since 2004 and has some 30 albums out. He's a disciple of Tangerine Dream and the Drone Zone side of Steve Roach. But he has a new album of effervescent melodic electronics called When Eternity Touches Time. Meanwhile, the Echoes podcast and Echoes could use your support. Looking back over the last few weeks, you've heard our epic documentary on Tangerine Dream and interviews with Moby, Kevin Brahaney Fortune, Nicholas Godin, and coming up, Schwangel's Simon Posford. Where else are you hearing that but on Echoes and in the Echoes podcast? So go to echoes.org and become a member of the Echoes Sound Circle, where we help creative music thrive. It's at Echoes.org, E-C-H-O-E-S dot org, O-R-G. And now, let's open the hatch of Ben Blackett's Portals. Ben Blackett is a musician who started his career late in life. He began recording grunge bands in Seattle in the early 90s, but then took a 25-year absence from music to pursue one of those careers where he can actually make money. But he's returned with a vengeance, recording three albums and a couple of EPs in three years. And it definitely isn't grunge. Ben Blackett is an electronic musician who doesn't like a lot of electronic music. Yes, actually one of the things that drives me away from electronic music in general is the fact that it sounds so electronic. It sounds artificial, it's it's so repetitive in nature. And I think Horizons was my first real attempt to distance myself from that a little bit, to get more of a songy feel to it than techno-driven or beat-driven or whatever. We spoke on Zoom to Ben Blackett in his home studio, which is noticeably devoid of keyboards, electronic modules, or instruments of any kind. But he was looking into an array of three widescreen monitors well-suited for both his virtual synthesizers and his web developer job. Ben Blackett has taken an unusual musical path. He was born in Alaska. I was born there in Juneau. I lived there for about 10 years. Uh, my folks moved to Seattle when I was about 10. And I've lived there ever since. Uh, My grandfather homesteaded up in Alaska, actually. So there's a big plot of land up there with a whole bunch of aunts and uncles lived there. 
and uh, I go back there every, every chance I can. We have a summer cabin up there that we visit a lot, and it's, it's, it's rustic. There's no electricity, no running water, so it's perfect, perfect getaway from the, from the big cities. That's obviously not where he creates music like this. That happens in Seattle, where he has lived since he was 10 years old. Now in his early 40s, he came up in the Seattle music scene of the mid-90s, and there was one thing happening in that city. It was very grunge. It was almost, it was all grunge. Blackett wasn't a musician, he was a recording engineer, and he didn't work with anybody as big as Nirvana, Pearl Jam, or Soundgarden. But while recording aspiring grunge bands, he was already turned on to electronic music. I think early teens, I was introduced to Enigma as the artist, and that really set the stage for me. one of those kind of experiences that transported myself somewhere else. Not that I wanted to go somewhere else, but the act of experiencing that was kind of wonderful. And that's kind of where I want to be as an artist, is being able to transport the listener in that kind of way um, with my music. It would be some 20 years before Blackett started making music like this. He left the studio scene to pursue a real career with money in software development and management and was working his way up the corporate chain. Then he had a mid-life crisis, but not the bad kind. I dove into music for, again for the first time and one of the ways I did that was by introducing my kids to uh, Reason, the software at the IW called Reason, and uh, they loved it and fell in love with it just like I did. From there, I was kind of reintroduced into how much I enjoyed it, and it became sort of this toehold into back in the music world that I just sort of I dug in and pushed for it as hard as I could. In 2018, as he rounded into his 40s, Ben Blackett released his debut album, Unbound. Perhaps one left over from his grunge days is, Ben Blackett wants his music to sound like musicians are playing it, not computers. I look at the organic nature as the act of creating that, as the act of creating the sounds and making them feel like they're from a human rather than from a computer. And I think that is kind of what I was after with this electronic album that feels organic. That said, most of his work is generated in computers, but on his latest album, Portals, he uses a lot of vocals. Some of it comes from Eric Whitaker's virtual choir sound libraries.
Eric Whitaker's Crier, I love that tool. It's a wonderful tool. Essentially, he spent a ton of time individually recording um, choir sounds, uh, his own choir, and uh, sampling each, you know, all the pieces of that. And so the melody is, I basically played that on the keypad to get the correct uh, melody going. And then from there, I did a whole lot of audio processing, as you can probably tell, and um, got it into this ethereal kind of magical choir church type sound. I've always loved that. The choir in particular, especially with uh, in a good church setting, uh, with all the natural reverb and acoustics, it's just been heaven. And it's and I love working with that sound. Sometimes Blackham manipulates the choir in unusual fashion, as he does on Last Rays of Sun. Oh, uh, technically wise, that one was a real pain to do, I gotta say. Here's a little tidbit. Uh, that song was the very first song of the album I wrote, and so it ended up being the last song of the album, which is I find very ironic. So that sort of set the stage for me to work with Eric Whitaker's choir and uh, a few others um, as well. And... That was a learning curve for me because there was the vocals in that have a huge different frequency response changes and uh, very unique pitches that uh, that I had to tackle in the frequency EQing to properly level out and get right. Especially since in the beginning it's such a loud vocal, it's the dominant feature of the album right there in the beginning. It took a lot of tries to get that right. <laughs> Blackett also uses his wife's voice on songs like Deep Currents, which call back to his initial inspiration, Enigma. It is. Actually, Deep Currents is the wonderful one of the album that I was lucky enough to record my wife singing on that particular one. And she has an amazing voice. Uh, I wish I could use more of uh, her voice often. That particular song has her singing uh, for the most part. In that. There's only a very little bit of choir I put in from Eric Whitaker's choir. The rest is just um, her. It's 
It's always hard to ascribe meaning in predominantly instrumental music with no lyrics, but like it says, Portals does have a concept behind it. The theme for me for Portals was transition. Transition not in the traditional sense of transition, but more of the dualism of you know what you want versus what you have, what you need versus what you should have. Um, for me, it was describing kind of a yin-yang feeling of having a push and pull within you, within us, and talking about what you feel in that process, kind of telling a story from beginning to end in that process. For Ben Blackett, the story has just begun, even though he waited a couple of decades to start it. Hopefully, Ben Blackett keeps going. His latest album, Portals, is on Heart Dance Records, and all of his music is up on Bandcamp. Our interview with Ben Blackett was conducted by Jeff Town, and it was produced and written by me, John DiLiberto. If you want to get a hold of Ben Blackett's latest album, Portals, I'll have a link for it in the posting for this podcast. You can find it at echoes.org. And now here's our other electronic artist, Jim Ottaway. This interview comes from 2017 when I talked to him in New Orleans at the Zone Music Reporter Awards. He's not your typical electronic or new age artist, as you'll find. Creating electronic music is often an isolating endeavor, one person in a room dialing up the sounds of the universe on their own. But Australia's Jim Ottaway is probably more isolated than most living at the borders of the bush in Queensland, Australia. But he's used that isolation to create 25 albums of electronic music since 2004. This year, he was nominated for a Zone Music Reporter Award for his 2016 album, Invisible Vortex. And while he was in New Orleans for the ceremony, he sat down to talk about electronic music in the bush. Jim Ottaway doesn't look like most electronic and new age musicians, neither a hipster nor a new age disciple. He looks a lot like what he was, a mid-level Australian government administrator. It was government government work. I worked for the Queensland government, which is a state in, in, in Australia, doing administrative type work, typical government type job. And I did that for 34 years. He's gaunt and lean and looks like a bookkeeper in a Dickens story, except for one thing. He opens up his jacket and reveals a black t-shirt with the logo from Tangerine Dream's Tiger album and the band's name done in Japanese-style lettering. Tangerine Dream, exactly. Very much an influence on really not just my music, but my life. I mean, it's been like the soundtrack to my life. It was Tangerine Dream who gave entree to this piano-trained but paper-pushing functionary into the world of electronic music. I think, look, the first thing was Phaedra, and I just loved the hypnotic feel and sound of the music. And it was funny because a, a fellow who was older than me at school turned up one day, probably wanting to meet up with my sister, 
And he bought the album Phaedra and he replayed it and played it and played it until my dad said, look, enough's enough. <laughs> Go home. <laughs> and I think it was that point where I just, I love that hypnotic, the sequences. Jim Ottaway released his debut album, First Light, in 2004. Jim Ottaway's music has evolved considerably over the years and the course of 25 solo albums. He lives in relative isolation in what Wikipedia describes as the rural hinterland of Australia's Gold Coast that maintains the character of a 19th century village. It's, you know, the end of the the line when it comes to internet. Perhaps it's little wonder that Jim Ottaway went into the infinite horizons of electronic music, sitting in his room, creating electronic dreams while outside, the world went slowly by. I do have open windows that I can see through to trees and forests and kangaroos and that type of thing. You know, I'm close enough to the bush to get the wildlife and, and that certainly helps with, you know, for me to relax and to create. You can only wonder what the kookaburra and wallabies think of sounds like this. Jim Ottaway's music ranges from driving dynamic sequencer-style sounds to spacey ambient drone zone expanses and the occasional foray into pop forms like the album Blitz. That one includes a track called Sweet Philly Soul, T-S-O-P. I love the, the sound of Philadelphia from the 70s. People like the OJs. Um, you know, Barry White and that type of stuff. I do like that music, particularly the OJs. I really love their music. And I just got this rhythm and beat with the keyboards, and I thought, oh, this, this kind of rings a bell with this Philly sound. And the track just, just came about because of that. It was really just had that feel. And that's what ha- often happens with electronic music is you're experimenting with all these sounds, and all of a sudden, hey, that really sounds interesting. I want to use that in the track. Most of Ottaway's compositions find him in space music, new age, and EDM terrain. He makes albums that are sequencer style, and I say that because he claims he rarely uses sequencers. I've only really started to use, you know, sequencers in in software probably in the last year. The rest of the time, I really did it myself, just playing it myself. So, my policy was always I wanted to own the piece of music, so I wanted to try and play as much of it as possible.
early 2017 album, Timeless Emotion, he delves more deeply into that sequencer sound that's inspired by the German Berlin School of Electronic Music, exemplified by Tangerine Dream and Klaus Schulze. The Berlin School style of music I really, really love. I had only kind of dabbled slightly in that. I think in, on the album Invisible Vortex, there was one album, one track called Just Another Dream, which was a kind of a dedication to Tangerine Dream. And I thought, no, look, I really love that. So I tried to get that into as many tracks as possible without kind of saying this is a Berlin School album. That sound is heard on tracks like Sequence of Life. That was probably one of the first tracks that I probably recorded that had that little bit of that Berlin School feel to it. And that's kind of where the whole album based around that particular track. But the whole concept of the album too is, is the fact that life is changing and moving and these emotions that kind of change throughout life as well. And that sequence of life is just, you know, part of that, that whole process. Jim Ottaway approaches his music intuitively, usually just sitting and playing, improvising the way his heroes, Tangerine Dream, did some 40 years ago. They're the, the real ambient type ones that I, I really do like, and to be perfectly honest, they're really improvised live albums. I mean, I, I press record on the keyboard and I play, and then sometimes I overdub a little bit, but a lot of it's really just sitting down and playing, pressing record. That results in some long tracks like Liquid Moon. Yeah, the Liquid Moon track is around about 28 minutes, I think it is. Yeah, it, it's really... Uh, sometimes when you start playing, you just don't want to stop because it's flowing and you're relaxed and you get it, almost get into a meditative state yourself. And that's the way that I do with a lot of those longer tracks. You won't find Jim Ottaway on the tongues, turntables or streams of too many Australians, but he has found an audience in America and caught the ears of his own music reporter of voters. And his church group enjoys his music too. This one is a, like a spiritualist church, you know, and uh, they, they certainly love the, the music that I produce. Um, they love it as a meditative type thing, you know, and uh, they play it a lot in the services. That's definitely a church service I wouldn't mind attending someday. In the meantime, you can create a sonic cathedral of your own with Jim Ottaway's music. Since I spoke with him in 2017, he's released five more albums. His latest is When Eternity Touches Time. If you want to get a hold of When Eternity Touches 
touches time. Go to our website at echoes.org and I will have a link for it in the posting for this podcast. You can find it at echoes.org. Next week on the Echoes podcast, another electronic artist, Dave Bessel from the band Node and collaborations with Greece's Parallel Worlds. That's next week on the Echoes podcast. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review while you're at it. I'm John DiLiberto. This has been the Echoes podcast from PRX. See you next week, tonight on the radio, somewhere in the country, or online, on demand, right now, on Echoes.